Welcome to the Skift Podcast, weekly conversations on global travel trend lines. For a long time, hotel executives didn't talk much about Airbnb. But as the home sharing platform has grown in popularity, the entire hospitality industry has been forced to pay more attention. At the Skift Global Forum recently, leaders from Airbnb and boutique hotel companies talked about the disruption. In this episode of the Skift Podcast, we're bringing you two conversations on the subject that we had backstage in the Skift Take studio. The first is with Amar Lalvani and Liz Lambert. Amar is CEO and managing partner of Standard International, the parent company of Standard Hotels. And Liz is founder and chief creative officer at Bunkhouse Group. Last year, Standard International purchased a majority stake in Bunkhouse. Our second conversation is with Airbnb's head of global hospitality and strategy, Chip Conley, who has a background in boutique hotels. I'm editor and podcast host, Hannah Sampson, and here with me is Skift editor, Deanna Ting, who covers hospitality. Hey, Deanna. Hey, hey, Hannah. We'll be back in a little bit to talk about some of the highlights from these sessions and add some context. This is one of several conversations we're bringing you from backstage at the Skift Global Forum. The Skift Takes Studio is presented by MasterCard, a payments technology company that is enabling loyalty, security, and data solutions for the global travel industry. We'll start with Liz Lambert and Amar Lalvani, who spoke to Skift contributing writer Jeremy Cressman. Great talk just now. Um, just wanted to follow up with a couple more questions. You know, Airbnb obviously is a big focus for a lot of people in the hotel industry right now. What do you do? How do you respond? Um, what do you guys think that your specific properties are offering that sets, a sh- sets yourselves apart from the sharing economy experience? So uh, what we do differently and allows us to deal with what's happening with Airbnb is the fact that we actually build places that bring communities together just by virtue of their distributed model, which I'm a huge fan of what they do. But the reality is you're not bringing people together in a communal setting. You don't have a restaurant, a bar. You don't have nightlife, music, Mm -hmm. uh, experience creation that we have. I just gave an example because we hosted the debates last night, which I know a lot of people watched. And our our places were full of people who wanted to hang out with each other and talk and debate. And that just can't happen within an Airbnb. So I think that's one. The second thing is, certainty and assurances because I've, and I, I do take Airbnbs when I travel with family, but I got to one the other day in London and came off a red eye. My daughters are standing there. I'm person's out there. I'm trying to jam the key in the door and I can't get in. That's, that's not the assurance that you necessarily have. And that's different than what we have. So, uh, and they'll get better and better about that stuff. And I think what we do is uh, slightly different and allow us to keep going. Yeah. And I think there's something about a hotel that an Airbnb will never or Airbnb in general, maybe a, a few of them might. Uh, you know, you might have an experience here and there. But I think one of the things that hotels can do, or particular brands of hotels can do, that Airbnb can't do, is to curate an experience and make it a, uh, you know, tell a story through the experience. I think that's one of the beautiful things about hotels. When they're at their best, they're almost aspirational. Mm-hmm. You can you can curate what the music is, what the lobby smells like, what the f- food is like, what the color palette is. You can uh, you can take somebody into a whole a whole experience, and I, and uh, with a, with Airbnb, you can't do that exactly. I, I liken it a little bit. I said it out there to 
when the internet happened and people thought you could telecommute from anywhere and cities were going to die. The actually the exact opposite happened because the desire to be with each other and the desire to have those experiences became even stronger. I think you'll see some of that going on. Yeah. What do you guys make of some of the moves Airbnb is making now? Like they're training these quote unquote super hosts that are known for their service to <laughs> teach other people hospitality or they're trying to launch tours in different cities. Does any of that make any difference to what you just said? You, you know, what's a, what's funny when we talk about Airbnb, I, I, I too am a big fan of Airbnb. And as a matter of fact, I'll be speaking at the Airbnb conference in downtown Los Angeles <laughs> in a few weeks with Kelly Wurstler, and we're going to be talking about how to decorate your Airbnb. So, um, <laughs> you know, I, it's not a, I don't, I don't feel like we're in real competition with Airbnb. I think that uh, they've, they've got to get better at some things, as do we all. I mean, they're, they're always going to be striving the bigger they get, uh, but to, to be better at everything they do. But they are, you're always going to have an uneven experience, no matter how well they do it, I think. Um, you guys mentioned community, obviously it's a huge part of the the experience you're getting at the standard or the bunkhouse. Do you think a hotel can survive in today's Airbnb environment without having a strong sense of community for guests? Is that an essential feature? Re community is important to compete with Airbnb and what we do. And I think that makes us strong relative to them as an option. And I, I think, look, people travel in different ways. There are times when I would stay at a standard. There's times when I stay at an Airbnb. That's just the reality of the situation. Um, but the, I think there are other segments of the hotels that will still do well. I was, I was brainstorming this the other day. I think when you're driving through somewhere and it's a roadside motel and there's an efficiency aspect to it, I don't think there's going to be an Airbnb component there. Yeah, so if you're I, really I love Holiday Inn yeah. Express for that. I mean, that you can go in, just stop on the road, and get back out, and you know what's going to be there. And that's part of the brilliance of the, the, the hotels used to be all very different experiences. And the homogenization of hotels began when people were traveling and they were having such uneven experiences that they needed to know and trust mm -hmm. a brand. And so you had... Uh, the holiday ends of the world, and that's there's still sometimes that you want that you don't. Mm -hmm. You could be in any city in the world, but you know you're going to get a certain kind of coffee, mm -hmm. and you're going to be able to have a certain certain setup in your room, and you can get in and, and get out. And I think a lot, a lot of it goes to why you're there, what you're travel, what you're traveling for, and what's your purpose of being there, and how are you going to spend your day. I think it's just it's just a different accommodation type. We have to deal with it. The reality is it's real supply, but I don't think that puts everybody out of business. It's because people travel for different reasons to different places and need different accommodations when they do. Hmm. Amar, one of the things that struck me during your panels, you mentioned this idea of rethinking the check-in, what time you check in, how you have to go at this certain structured time. Do you think in today's on-demand on environment, you know, with Uber, there's other aspects of the hotel experience that should be rethought? Absolutely. A lot of them have to be rethought. I think we starting with some basic stuff. Look, I, I early days of my career, I worked with Barry Sternlicht and he introduced the heavenly bed. The idea of a comfortable bed in a room was innovative. I mean, there's a lot of things in the hotel business that need to be rethought. Um, we started with distribution, among other things we've done over the years, but uh, check-in and check-out. So now we have for standard two ends of the spectrum. One is complete spontaneity. After 3 p.m., check-in on one-night standard, bang, you're done. That's the sort of the Uber of our experience. Then you have the other extreme, standard time, which is you're planning your trip and you're taking a red eye. You know you have a meeting at 9 o'clock. You want to check in your room at 7 o'clock. That's a difference. So we're at two ends of the spectrum. One is a planned event and the other is a spontaneity. So th those two were new to the hotel business. 
Um, we've witnessed this sort of democratization of design. I know that phrase is a little bit overused, but you think about brands like the W or, you know, Target bringing design to everybody, if you will. How does a company like the Standard or, you know, the Bunkhouse, how do you stay ahead of the curve where design is really this core competency for you guys from what I've seen? Well, I think it's kind of the opposite of staying ahead of the curve. I think what you want to do is to design things that are timeless and that will only get better over over the years and the more they're used. I mean, the most interesting hotels to me are hotels that have, you know, these layers and layers of, of, of the years that have, and the people that have stayed in them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, when we think of bo- boutique hotels, and sometimes we call them lifestyle hotels or whatever we call them now, we think back to the time of in Schrager and just really when boutique, when the whole boutique thing started happening. And I would guess 30 years ago or so. Something like that, Ian and Andre. Yeah, early Andre and Chip. Too, and Chip. Yeah. But I, one of the things that did happen with the design of a lot of those hotels is that there would have to be a huge refresh after six or seven or eight years mm-hmm. and just to, to reposition the hotel because part of what they were doing was uh, being a trendsetter. And to me, I think it's a little more interesting to do something that won't need that kind of complete mm-hmm. refresh. I, I think the other thing is, um, design or culture, all the things we talk about are just so ingrained in who the people are that work with us, who we are and who the people are. There's an authenticity, and that's a way overused word to it, that matters. If you go to Liz's hotels, they're an embodiment of her and the culture that she's created. It's not hiring an interior designer, showing you 10 different options, and you pick one. And with all respect to Marriott and Starwood, because I think it's, it's an amazing company when put together, but they have 30 brands now. And it's sort of the Procter & Gamble of the hotel business. Um, and Procter & Gamble's a great company. But when you have 30 brands, you have a brand manager for each one, probably an MBA brand manager for each one. That's very different than living and breathing the brand and embodying its soul. It almost sucks the life out of it a little bit of this idea of design being a differentiator. Um, Amar, I wanted to talk briefly about one night. I know you touched on it during the panel, but you know, why did you guys feel the need to build this last minute booking platform? Obviously you already had the sort of standard one night app, but then you expanded it to all these other independent properties. So let's talk about one night. Um, I don't think we felt the need to do it. In fact, I think the way Liz and I operate, we don't really feel the need to do anything. Mm -hmm. We keep doing things we like to do that make sense for us, for our teams, for the industry, uh, and for the communities that we're in. Um, We launched one night standard because we thought the honest thinking about it was, should we create an app? And most hotel companies that created an app said, what, is there, what did other people do? Most hotel companies that created an app take their website and put it on an app. It doesn't do anything. It's not sticky. It doesn't make sense. You, people would have it and then delete it. We said, is there an app that actually makes sense? We looked at the problems in the hotel business. Rooms go empty at the end of the, at the, end of the night, at the end of the day. We looked at the data, and between 12 noon and 3 p.m., you get real bookings. After 3 p.m., it drops like a rock. Maybe it's because of the check-in time. People already planned their days or their evenings. We said, what if we took all that inventory, put it on our app for people that love the brand and associate with it and give them, give them a deal and let them come experience the hotel? We did that. It worked so well that we said, okay, well, we only have five hotels, bunk, bunkhouse another five. Why don't we take this to market and become and empower people who do what we do to get people in their rooms. It also solves a problem with OTAs that I think a lot of hotels have. You know, that, that you're, it's kind of a, uh, it's, it's a game that the hotels themselves aren't in and don't have an influence over. It's the, it's the OTA that's driving the business. Yeah, and what, I, what I really irritated me uh, was that 
we do so much work to do to make great hotels and great experiences. I mean, a painstaking amount of work, and all of that is reduced to a thumbnail and a big price tag on Expedia, on Expedia or whoever bookings or you name it. What if we created something that actually celebrated the hotels that we love and show them in a way that that's fabulous? And I think that's a big differentiator. Yeah. One last question for you guys. Well, for Liz, I think, you know, I'm interested in some of this, this new property you're opening in Baja, uh, Baja, and then also, you know, you have the property in Marfa. How is the marketing of a destination, quote unquote, hotel like that, where it's like a little bit more out of the way versus a city like Austin or, uh, you know, a place like Los Angeles for some of the standard properties or where have you? How's the marketing a little bit different for those well, kinds of properties? We know, we all know in the hotel business that being a destination hotel is a little harder or a lot harder than doing a hotel that just, you know, is in downtown, wherever. Um, uh, and, I think the the marketing that we do, or what I think that one of the things that we do well is to tell the story of a place, and um, we do it through lots of different ways. We do it through social media. We do it through print. We do it through just uh, the content of our website. And our would like, for instance, at at uh, at El Cosmica, we have a manana festa mm. that's on the website, um, and uh, and a and a kind of love song to doing nothing. Um, so I think it, it is, it's about just making uh, people understand the place through on many different levels. And so it makes you want to go there. Hmm. I think Liz has developed through the special places uh, this sort of cult following. And it's almost a badge of honor to go to Marfa and experience <laughs> that. Really, I mean, the, mer the, the, the retail sales there are so significant because the products are amazing. But it's also you want to take something back because that experience was so special. It took me, it took me 14 hours to get from New York to Marfa, and that's <laughs> that's week. quick. That's as fast as you can get there. I just came back in last night, and I've, I've yeah. left yesterday morning at nine. And I was I was joking. It's just joking, but dead serious. I could be in Tokyo or Dubai faster <laughs> than I could be in Marfa, but I want to go to Marfa. <laughs> and and you might drive through it and not even know you passed it. You might find a scorpion in your shoe, but that experience, that's that's what you go for. And that's uh, what I think Liz takes to a whole nother level. I'm excited about Baja. Um, I, it might it might actually be easier to get to Baja than it is to get to Marfa, but um, you can fly into Cabo and then it's about 45 minute drive uh, in this little magical town. Actually, actually is a, a Pueblo Mexico, uh, denoted by the uh, Mexican government, a magic town. Um, magic town. Yeah, the magic town is. Uh, I would, should, should be able to tell you better, but it's a. Uh, the The government gives out special funding to places that they denote as Pueblo Mexicos, uh, for whatever reason. I think the the culture in general. And I think what's also interesting about that one, which standards always done and bunkhouse is always done, is go places that are un unexpected and that are coming, not super pioneering, but places that are alternatives. Whether it be the meatpacking district, which wasn't the meatpacking district before, whether it was Sunset. That strip when no one wanted to be there at that time. Downtown LA, which was very early, or or South Congress. Mm -hmm. That's true, but something that Ace does really well as well. Mm -hmm. um, and, a, and a lot of hotels are, will wait until something has happened and then jump in. Um, but uh, Baja, I, I think it's going to be great. The name of the hotel is San Cristobal, and who is a patron saint of surfers. And so um, Toto Santos is this great little town that has everything from. F fishing, uh, dirt bike riding, surfing, yoga, you name it. I think uh, I, it, it, it will be a really interesting place to be. Well, great. I look forward to hearing more, and uh, I'll have to get down and check out Marfa. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks, you guys.
And here's our next segment with Chip Conley, Airbnb's head of global hospitality and strategy. And he talked to me, editor and podcast host, Hannah Sampson. Okay, can you just start by saying your name and your title? Sure. Uh, my name is Chip Conley. I'm the head of global hospitality and strategy for Airbnb. And you have a background in hospitality also. Can you just kind of give me that background? Uh, I started my own boutique hotel company called Joie de Vivre uh, 30 years ago. And over the course of 24 years as the CEO, uh, created 52 boutique hotels with my team. Cool. Um, so what did you think when the opportunity came up for you to go to Airbnb? Did you, how did you picture Airbnb? Um, did you have any preconceived notions about them? So when Brian Chesky reached out to me about three and a half years ago and asked me to uh, both mentor him and also maybe help the company move from being just a, a tech company to also being a hospitality company, my, my first reaction was, tell me more about Airbnb. <laughs> I, I have to admit I was a little clueless. I, I, I had heard of Airbnb. I'd heard of couch surfing, but I really didn't distinguish between the two. I didn't have an Uber or Lyft app on my phone at the time <laughs> either. So I was a technophobe. And what I learned pretty quickly in first quarter 2013 when I started learning about this was how quickly the company was growing and, frankly, how um, passionate both the hosts and the guests were about the experience. And I loved the idea that Airbnb was democratizing hospitality. So you come in with this, um, a lot of background in the hospitality space. What what do you think startups in general and Airbnb specifically um, have to learn from established companies? And then and, and established industries, really. Um, and then what do you think uh, hospitality is learning from Airbnb? I think what Airbnb can learn from the hospitality industry is just the uh, consistent and effective and efficient uh, delivery of service. Uh, Airbnb provides people a uh, usually a larger space than a hotel room uh, in a residential neighborhood and at a lower price. And so part of our, I think there's really been two major pieces of our value proposition, which is uh, a great value and then living like local. But for those who want more services, you know, that's something we're still in the process of developing. And uh, we have done a great job, I think, in helping our host uh, become really good hosts. And so generally our customer satisfaction is quite high. But as we get into business travelers and luxury travelers, there's additional services we need to offer. And I think we can learn a lot from the hospitality industry there. In terms of what Airbnb can teach or help the hospitality learn is, to be honest with you, I think uh, it's about uh, understanding technology and how do you hire data scientists mm. that can help you to understand your customer better based upon the choices that your customer has made. You're talking about customer service and satisfaction um, and having high scores. I, part of that I know is having standards for hosts across your network. Um, but we have this fight at Skift a lot and it sometimes turns into an actual fight, which is do you want to have these standards that make Airbnb properties a little more alike or do you just want it to be a free-for-all and let the market decide um, which ones are the best and and have each one be a completely unique experience? So how do you like draw that line? Uh, you know, just like as a boutique hotelier, um, I learned a long time ago that there's no way you can be as consistent as the Holiday Inns and the Marriott's of the world. 
I don't think consistency is necessarily the thing that Airbnb uh, strives to attain with its hosts, but dependability is what we strive for, which is different. So consistency means the same thing over and over and over again. In some ways, that's actually why boutique hotels and Airbnb exist is because in some ways the boutique, the uh, chain hotels became a little bit predictable and bland and boring. So I think the idea that, that we have a lack of consistency is not a problem. I think the key that we have to provide is dependability, which means that when someone is is writing a listing, uh, they're accurate about what the experience is going to be, and then they deliver on that. Uh, so um, I think that's the that's actually where we've done pretty well, and that's part of the reason our guest satisfaction scores are so high, um, and we have a, a lot of loyal customers. But I think for certain types of properties, for like uh, uh, you know a, our business travel proper, uh, uh, we have three hundred thousand corporate accounts. The business travelers on our site want more consistency. Um, they want dependability and consistency. Mm-hmm. So in that case, we have some minimum standards that a business travel uh, listing has to have that moves us a little bit more in the direction of what is true in a boot- in a, in a uh, chain hotel. So um, I think it just is a function that's a small part of our site, um, but I think over time you'll see a little bit more of that as we go more into luxury properties as well. Okay. Uh, from the perspective and the background of a hotelier, do you think there is a way for Airbnb to recreate or to tap into some of the social elements that people really are craving or are looking for when they're staying at a hotel or like a really cool hostel, um, like a, a lively bar or yeah. a place where they can meet new people. How, and that's, and that's one of the things that hoteliers talk about having over Airbnb. Like at least we have a social scene, Airbnb, you're kind of alone. What do you, how do you, how do you make that? that be part of the Airbnb experience? So it is true that, um, and I'm a hotelier, so I appreciate the fact that hotels have a, a value proposition that's different than Airbnb, uh, both efficiency of service uh, and a variety of services, uh, but also having a food and beverage um, operation and maybe one that's actually popular with locals. Now, the truth is with most chain hotels, <laughs> let's be clear, most chain hotels, the restaurant in Fair the chain enough. hotel <laughs> is not exactly a place that locals go hang out in. But for boutique hotels, absolutely, it's one of the hallmarks of of a boutique hotel. Uh, I think that's part of the reason why we can have a symbiotic relationship with boutique hotels, first and foremost. But also, I think you'll see in 2017, based about, upon some things we'll be announcing in the next couple months, uh, the fact that we will be moving more in that direction of giving people the opportunity to connect with each other um, in a face-to-face kind of way within a city that they're actually traveling to. And as such, um, yes, we will have an alternative to the classic uh, hotel lobby bar. Interesting. Uh, well, I was going to ask how you think Airbnb can possibly partner with hotels in the future or, um, you know, have coexist peacefully um, in some ways. And, and I don't know if that's something you're looking to do in 2017 or if you could say anything about that. But do you think there is a there is a, a way um, for you to take advantage of what they offer and them to take advantage of what you offer? There's, de- I think there's definitely a symbiotic relationship uh, with ho- between hotels and homes or, or Airbnb and home sharing. Um, some of that can be just literally how, how do we help to direct our guests to hotels and, and, and uh, restaurants and bars. Um, but some of it's actually the marketing of cities, and we're already doing this. There are many, many cities where we are working collaboratively with the hotel community 
um, and Airbnb is spending money with the local DMO, the destination marketing organization, to market a city. And we actually sit on convention and visitors bureau boards, um, some of our uh, some of our Airbnb employees, side by side with hotels. So I think the relationship is getting better and better as the hotel community is more and more open to the idea that this is an alternative accommodations uh, segment where the average length of stay in our Airbnb listings is more than twice as long as a hotel. Therefore, um, the actual nature of the people who are traveling are different. And some of these people would never have actually t- made the trip or they would have stayed with family or friends um, for free if they hadn't stayed in an Airbnb. So I think the good news is that um, uh, the some of the the tough words that have occasionally been out there in the last few I, years. I still see some ads and some, you know, Twitter promoted tweets and stuff. I, you know, it's not all kumbaya yet. I it's, don't think. It, yeah, it's not all kumbaya yet for sure. And in some markets, some geographic markets, it's m- more that way than in others. But generally speaking, globally, as I'm the only hotelier at Airbnb, so I, <laughs> I promise you, if somebody's pissed off in the hotel community at Airbnb, guess who hears about <laughs> it? Um, I want to say that it's a lot easier today than it was two years ago. When I joined three and a half years ago, I said on my first day at Airbnb with our staff of 400 people at that point, we now have 2,600 people. With our 400 people, I, I, I quoted Gandhi and I said, Gandhi once said about the British back in the 1930s before uh, India was independent, first they ignore you, then they ridicule you, then they fight you, and then you win. And I said, that's going to be our relationship with a lot of different people out there, until pro- including probably the hotel industry. And that was sort of the cycle, is that we got ignored, and then we got ridiculed, and there's been fighting, and there still is fighting in some places. But generally, that's not the case in most places, is the hotel community has been more welcoming. And, the, and then you win? <laughs> well... Wait, what is, what's your ultimate goal here? In terms of us winning, I think the winning is just the idea that home sharing is an accepted uh, form of uh, accommodations and that sensible legis- legislation around home sharing is happening. And yeah, it doesn't hurt for us to have a nice valuation as well. That's a, a form of winning. But I think the biggest win is the idea that we've created a, a travel choice that while it existed sort of in the black market before on Craigslist and yeah. maybe, you know, a few other places, now it's actually a trusted platform that is big enough that has over 100 million guest arrivals since we've uh, started, such that I think we've, we're, we've gone mainstream. And I think the win is that the fact that uh, home sharing is a mainstream uh, option. What have you seen as um, some of the biggest changes in consumer behavior when it comes to Airbnb guests, even just since you started? I think, you know, one of the biggest changes in terms of consumer behavior around Airbnb guests is the fact that people are traveling with and groups of people. I mean, I think what one of the sort of use cases um, that is quite popular on Airbnb is a group of people going to, let's say, a conference or a convention or a meeting, and they get a four-bedroom house or a four-bedroom loft, and instead of getting four guest rooms in a hotel, they have a living room, they have a kitchen, they have a place to congregate. Um, that is that We see that the growth in that substantially, and, and it means that it, we have to find homes mm-hmm. that are bigger homes that people can actually do that with. Um, you know, families... The idea of family-friendly travel, mm-hmm. uh, if we started initially as sort of a millennial uh, ur- urban budget tra- uh, accommodations choice, and we've become more and more of a vacation rental choice for um, families of all ages, um, our fastest growing segment um, in terms of the host community on Airbnb is people over 60. Mm-hmm. Our second fastest is people over 50. Mm-hmm. Um, our highest 
guest satisfaction scores in the world are uh, women who actually are host and over the age of 60. <laughs> so long story short is I think that the demographic of who is on Airbnb today is so much broader and more mainstream than when I joined three and a half years ago. And I think that's just because we've gotten bigger. Um, last question. We talk about defining the future of travel. It's gift all the time. It's our tagline. Uh, if you had to define the future of Airbnb in a few short words, <laughs> how would you do that? If I had to define the future of travel uh, for Airbnb and the future of what we will be, I think we'll be seen as a travel company more than an accommodations company. And so that'll mean we are helping you uh, with your full trip experience from the time you leave home to the time you come back. Uh, and I think that that is what you'll hear more about in the next few months. Any news you want to break? Right no here? breaking news here right now. All right. All right. We'll, we'll look for it. Thank you so much, Tip. So that was a little... That was a little hint at some news that maybe we should expect from Airbnb and lots of discussion from both um, from both sets about kind of working together or not really working oppositionally. Um, what did you think of that, Deanna? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was very indicative of the fact that everyone uh, in travel and especially in hospitality is really focused on building a better sense of community among travelers and among the locals who live there and the places that people are traveling to. Uh, you even see this with the big branded chains. Uh, for instance, this week I got to go to the grand opening event of Marriott's new sort of like living laboratory hotel. They're, they're calling it the M Beta Hotel in Charlotte. And in this hotel, it it does not look like a normal Marriott that you would ever expect. And what's interesting is they built this really cute coffee shop in the hotel lobby uh, that really caters more to locals, but it also does cater to travelers who want to work um, and who want to kind of get a taste of the local environment. So there's this cute retail section where they have all these artisanal I don't know, jams, like leather goods, all, all things you can think of that are, you know, native to Charlotte. <laughs> Super hipster. <laughs> yes, very hipster, very, very hipster. Um, but also located within that space, which I thought was really interesting, was sort of like a formal co-working space. So they were trying to, you know, encourage people to have a better sense of community even when they're staying there. Um, and you also see with Accor Hotels coming out with its new Joe and Joe brand, which is sort of like a an upscale hostel. Um, they're really emphasizing this sort of like co-living type of concept in terms of hospitality. I, I did think that Amar and Liz made a very good point, though, about hotels sort of being the original gathering place, the, the original watering hole um, for both locals and visitors, uh, no matter where you, you are. But I do think that Airbnb, with what they are working on, um, which Chip didn't outright label, but um, we've we've covered here at Skift. It's 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 I guess it's called magical trips, uh, and it's also it also falls under what what Airbnb calls uh, city hosts. Uh, but basically, you know what they're building with that, it really could become the alternative to the classic hotel lobby bar, like Chip describes, and it does seem to be more curated than than Liz might might suspect it to be. Interesting. So, so you think that's what their news will be, this city host magical city? Yes. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I uh, I know they're, they're open. Um, their Airbnb open is taking place uh, in November. And if you actually look at the schedule, um, they, they mention magical trips on there. So, so it's definitely launching either before or there. Um, so it'll be really interesting to, to learn more about it. 
And that's like guided experiences within within cities where Airbnb yes. is big. Yes. So uh, we were lucky enough to sort of take a sneak peek in the beta testing process for this um, and take a look at some of the experiences that they have available for people to book. Uh, and they're, they're pretty interesting. I, I think I was most enamored with the ramen making class in Tokyo. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> other experiences are, you know, to hang out with life coaches in London. Uh, I don't know what that entails, but whatever floats your boat. Uh, Very British. Yes. <laughs> There's also, uh, you can take like a graffiti tour of Wynwood in Miami. Uh, you can grab drinks with a Parisian. You can go shopping for anime toys in, in Tokyo. It's, it's all kinds of different things. And it's all very, you know, uniquely curated and seems that way at least. But we haven't we haven't experienced it just yet. Yeah. Um, so from those discussions that we just heard, was there anything else that really stood out to you that maybe you hadn't heard before that seemed um, really forward thinking of either of them? Yeah, I think, you know, just sort of listening to both of those conversations, it kind of struck me uh, and in, in covering both hotels and Airbnb for a while now, uh, I've sort of realized that they're not that different from each other, even though they think that they're they're diametrically opposed from one another. Uh, you know, even the way that they operate is sort of similar. Uh, you know, most hotel companies like a Marriott, a Hilton, they don't actually own the buildings that they operate hotels in. And Airbnb, likewise, it doesn't own any physical assets whatsoever. You know, it doesn't own the the cute little um, castle <laughs> that you're renting, um, you know, it it just doesn't have that. Uh, so in a way, you know, hotel owners are kind of equivalent to the Airbnb hosts, right? And um, however, you know, hotel owners have to spend a lot more money, um, and they have to think about a lot more things like regulations, brand standards for hospitality um, than an Airbnb host ever have will have to do. Um, and while there's some definite fundamental differences between them. I think at the end of the day, Airbnb and hotels just want to provide a good experience for their customers, for their guests. Um, it, the best experience that you can have when whatever way you that person defines is best. Um, so I think, you know, I think it's trying to define what hospitality really means to someone today. You know, it's it, it's just making someone feel good, making someone feel like they had an amazing trip, an amazing experience. Uh, so, I think it's just the way that you experience hospitality that differs from how you would experience it in an Airbnb versus a hotel. Uh, and both sides are kind of grappling with that, like what Chip said. Like, you know, you're, you're kind of balancing consistency and dependability with authenticity and surprise and delight and unique and right. hipstery. <laughs> How do you do all those things? Um, I think they're both trying to perfect that formula. And I think that's the bigger question is how do you define hospitality today when consumer expectations have sort of changed so much? Yeah. Uh, I was maybe not surprised, especially because they're from a boutique hotel background, but both Liz and Amar are like, oh yeah, I stay at Airbnb all the time. Right. <laughs> Sometimes I like a Holiday Inn Express, but um, do you... Do you hear that? Are there like a bunch of closet Airbnb hoteliers <laughs> out there who are now like yes. being willing to speak about it? Yes, I do think so. Um, funny enough, also at the the Ambita Hotel opening, uh, I was able to sit next to a very, very high-ranking Marriott executive who's been with Marriott for more than 30 years, uh, who told me that he loves to stay in Airbnbs when he travels with his wife to Europe. Um, it's their preferred accommodation. <laughs> 
Um, is it the CEO is, of Marriott? No, okay. no, not the CEO. But he's he, he was close to you know he's okay. pretty he's pretty high up there. Um, so he's definitely not a boutique hotelier. You know, you know, I I wouldn't imagine him hanging out at the Standard anytime soon. But um, but no, but he loves it. He really loves. He's, he told me he really loved the unique type of experience that he could get there and feeling like a local and yeah. that it was, you know, it's charming and he, he really enjoys it. So um, so Liz and Amar come from, and actually Chip, all come from this boutique background. But do you think that the things they were talking about have applications for bigger chains? You know, Marriott is now like the superpower with 30 brands. Do you think that there are things they can learn from what everybody was saying in those talks? Definitely. And I don't think it's a coincidence at all that Brian Chesky chose Chip Conley to be his mentor um, and advisor on all things hospitality. I mean, you know, Chip Conley, you know, I think he sort of like downplays his reputation as uh, as a hotelier, but, you know, he, he was really influential in the, the boutique hotels movement. And, you know, back in the day, in the early 80s, boutique hotels were kind of like Airbnb. They were the big disruptors. So, you know, I, I think it's especially, um, you know, especially nice that he has Chip Conley there to kind of guide him. Um, in terms of lessons, I, I do feel that Chip's comment about data science was especially important. Uh, you know, we hear about so many big chains like, you know, Marriott saying that the most important thing for them in terms of the Starwood acquisition was the loyalty program, right? Um, the loyalty programs are so important to these companies because they're trying to develop better direct relationships with their customers and guests. And while it's great to do that, you know, especially because, you know, gets get more money instead of letting it go to the online travel agencies like Expedia and Booking.com, um, it's great to have all that data and all that extra revenue, but you also need to know what to do with that data. Like, if you don't know what to do with it, it's pretty useless. Uh, and I think the fact that Airbnb is really this hybrid of technology and hospitality, it has a bit of an edge or an advantage over hotels and uh, knowing how to really understand and interpret that customer data and better match hosts and guests and neighborhoods and suggest the right experiences for their guests. Do you, did you hear anything that would make you be very nervous if you were a hotel company about Airbnb's ambitions? Oh, um, I mean, more nervous than you might have already been. <laughs> I I would hope that they that if I I did work for a hotel company that I wouldn't feel that nervous. <laughs> um, but you know, I think, you know, I think whenever people feel nervous about something, it's just more so because it's maybe a little bit unknown to them. But I think that now that Airbnb has matured, it's been around since you know, since uh, two thousand eight. Now, um, I think the hotel industry has had more time to really observe it, to better understand it. Um, so I don't think it should be as scary as they think it is. And I, I do feel like a lot of the players are, are making inroads into adapting and learning from Airbnb and, and vice versa. I think Airbnb is learning a lot more from hotels too. So do you think we're moving into an era where um, these two companies, but also these two types of accommodation models are going to be working together more, learning from each other more, or do you think there's still like a, a split and, um, and butting heads that we should look out for? 
okay, budding heads for sure, maybe when it comes to legislative issues <laughs> or regulatory issues. Uh, I think when it comes to strategy and when it comes to providing a better hospitality experience, I do think that there's going to be sort of a mind meld between um, between hotels and Airbnb. Um, I think if I were a hotelier, one thing I would definitely be paying attention to is is what we mentioned earlier, those magical trips. Uh, I think the fact that Airbnb is entering into tours and activities should be a major wake-up call to hotels to think more about finding ways to provide experiences for their guests that don't just take place in the inside the hotel. Um, you have to, to provide things that extend beyond the hotel. Um, you know, it's not just enough to bring that local feel into the hotel, whether it's through food and beverage or the cute items in that gift shop. <laughs> you know, it's it's you've got to sort of find ways to give guests those deeper opportunities and connect it to your brand um, to build local, you know, build relationships with the local community. Um yeah, so I think that's that's something that, that hotels should be working on right now if they aren't already. Yeah. Um, well, very good. Deanna, thanks so much. Really appreciated it. Thanks.